Andrew Womack Ministries presents this message titled, God's Word, First Place. We pray that the Word of God will come alive in your heart as you listen. John chapter 14. These are some real familiar scriptures, but I don't believe that we've got what's in them. If you know what I mean. It's easy to know what a scripture says and yet not get what it, what's in it. But in John, the 14th chapter, this is the Lord Jesus Christ beginning to give his disciples some specific instruction. He starts in the 14th chapter and goes all the way through the 17th chapter. And this is he's speaking to them the night of um, his crucifixion, the night that they took the Lord's Supper right before the crucifixion. And this is his last-minute instructions to the disciples. And he begins to prepare them for certain things that begin to come in John 14, 15, and 16 specifically. So anyway, this is some of the most important things that he could have been ministering to them. And uh, it was a last-minute instructions. He knew what was going to come to pass. And it applies to us, everything that he's saying right here. And anyway, I just want to take some of these first few verses and show us some things out of these. In verse 1, he says, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Now I want you to understand what's being said right here. Jesus just said in verse 4, he said, Where I'm going you know, and the way ye know. And Thomas turned right back around to the Lord Jesus Christ and he says, No, that's not right. We don't know where you're going and how can we know the way? Y'all ever seen that before? In effect, he just turned around and he says, No, that's a lie. Now, we wouldn't think that would be very religious and the right thing to do today, would it? None of us would dare sit there and tell the Lord, say, That's a lie. What your word says is wrong. That's not the way it is. But I want you to see tonight that this is exactly what we as religious people, and when I use the term religious, I'm not using it in a good way. I don't know how you mean it. But religious to me is hypocritical or synonymous. A Buddhist is religious. A Muslim is religious. A Christian should not be religious. He should be Christ-like. And there's a big difference, amen. There's lots of religions of the world, but there is only one Christianity. The word Christian means like Christ or little Christ, and that's what we're called to be. We aren't called just to have a name tagged on us or to call yourself by some name or go join an organization. God forbid. God never called anybody to join any organization. We think that our organizations today are really helping the Lord along. If they were, the Lord would have left instructions about how to build all these super organizations. God didn't do that. That's man's system. God could care less. It hadn't helped the Lord any at all. Amen? Amen or oh me. That's right, whether you believe that or not. Amen? God calls us to be Christ-like and not religious, not just have a name that we call ourselves by and are dead. And uh, I'll pass this along. I don't know where y'all come from, so I'm not throwing stones at anybody. Amen? This is at the devil. And if it hits you, just get healed. Amen? <laughs> But when I came out of my old denomination, and boy, I started running around with some Pentecostal people, I thought, well, man, this is where they've had it all this time. These people have known about the baptism of the Holy Ghost the whole time. I thought, man, we're fine. You know, I finally got with somebody that believes what the Word says. We're going to start seeing miracles. 
And I came to find out that Pentecostals are some of the most unbelieving people that ever were born because they sit there and say that they believe in the baptism and say they believe in healing and say they believe in deliverance and say all of these things and don't act on a bit of it. And you can say what you want to, but that's not Christ-like, that's religious. It is not godly. I don't care what a person has to say. And we need to use that as a basis of what we're going to say tonight because I don't want you to sit back and rest and say, oh, yes, I believe in these things. If you believe it and aren't acting it, you're just deceiving your own self and the truth isn't in you. The Bible says faith without works is dead. Uh, James chapter 2, verse 19 says, even the devils believe and tremble. But won't you know, vain man, that faith without works is dead? I guarantee you, you got to do more than the devils have to be able to make it. And that is, if you can't just sit there and believe something intellectually, you've got to be able to live it. And if you saying that you adhere to something and believe it and aren't living it, you're just deceiving yourself. You're dead. Now, the reason I got off on that is because here Jesus was telling them, he said, where I'm going, you know in the way you know. And Thomas turned right around and says, Lord, we don't know. That's not right. You're wrong. We don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? We think how terrible for him to say that. Well, what's the difference in saying that? And when the Lord turns around in John chapter 14, let's look down the 12th verse right here. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Now, what's the difference in telling in the fourth verse when he said, where I'm going, you know, and the way you know, what's the difference in saying, no, that's wrong, you aren't right. What's the difference in saying that and turning around and saying, now, wait a minute, the works that Jesus did shall we do also? Oh, no, I'm just a poor wayfaring pilgrim. Uh, traveling through this world below. Woe is me. Further along, we'll know all about it. Further along, we'll understand why. Y'all ever sing any of those songs? They'll kill you. They're unbelief. And they're deadly. And they aren't scriptural. You ought to start getting the same impression about you that Jesus had. Jesus said that if you're believing in him, the works that he did shall you do also, and greater works than these shall you do. Now, Jesus either said that, and Jesus either meant it, or he's a liar, one of the two. And there's no in-between. Now, religions come along and say, now, wait a minute, that's not true. I know that the Lord said that, but... And you see, they start putting all of the buts in and start putting all of these things and tacking on all of these other religious doctrines and creed and completely take away the power and soothe your conscience. But there is no way around it. Jesus said, if you're believing on him, the works that he did shall you do also. He said, verily, verily, I say unto you. That means truly, truly. He emphasized it twice. If you're believing on the Lord, God's will is for us to do the works that Jesus did and greater works than these. A lot of people have come along and said, well, we're doing the greater works today. We're on radio and television and we're reaching people as never before. We're doing things that Jesus could have never have done because he didn't have all of the mass media. Well, praise God for the mass media. I've been on radio for two years, and I praise God for it. But that's not the greater works. Even if you believe it is the greater works, I won't even argue the point with you. But if you believe that that is the greater works, you can't get around the first part of that verse that says, The works that I do shall ye do also, and greater works than these shall ye do. Amen? Everybody see that? That's the power that's been given unto us. Now, I'm not saying that if you aren't living the exact same life that Jesus was that you can't know him, but I'm saying that if you aren't living the life that Jesus lived, you're messed up. We're messed up. We're deceived. We're in bondage, and we need to start breaking loose of some things. It hadn't been presented that way. You can be a member in good standing of the first church and of everybody's church and be just as dead as a doornail and fit right in, be the chairman of the deacon. 
Just like my dad, the chairman of the deacons, and he never did get deliverance over smoking. Still the chain smoker and stuff. He was chairman of the deacons and everything else. And I love my dad. He died when I was 12 years old, but he never was living a victorious Christian life. I could tell that when I was a kid. And yet there he was, the leader in the church. Well, I guarantee you, I don't care what man approves you with. I don't care how they approve you. I don't care if they put you on the nominating committee or whatever they do. doesn't matter. In God's sight, we are messed up and we're falling short of what God called us to do if we are not out doing the works that Jesus did, healing the sick, cleansing the lepers, raising the dead, preaching the gospel to the poor. And I'm saying that not to condemn any person, but to open up your eyes that there is more than what we have settled for. There is more than what this old weak-kneed Christianity that we've heard talked about today is has talked about. There's a life of victory and power. And if you don't have it, bless God, you need to find out where it is and get in it. John chapter, Mark chapter 16 says, These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. That's what the Scripture says. And somebody says, oh, but I don't do that. Well, it just says that it follows them that believe. Amen? You don't have to worry about it. If you don't believe in what we're talking about tonight, don't get scared or nothing. It isn't going to happen to you. Amen? It's only going to work for those that believe. That's the only people it'll work for. But I want you to see tonight that there's more available to us. God has made himself available to us. He has called us to be Christ-like, to be followers of Jesus Christ, to do the same works that he did. And we're missing out because we're having the same attitude that Thomas had. The Lord says, the greater works than these shall you do. We look at our circumstance, we look at our religion, our tradition, our denomination, whatever we've been taught, and we say, well, I see what Jesus said, but look at that. I just don't understand it. And we go by what we've been taught, by what we see. You're never going to be a victorious person in the Lord Jesus Christ if you go by tradition or by what you see or if you go by circumstances. The person that's going to have a victorious Christian life is a person that's going to break their circumstances and break with tradition and break with what people think and going to go do what God said. And that's what God's looking for. God wants this Bible study tonight not to be just a typical old place where you come together and just pat each other on the back so that you can tell people you go to a Bible study. He wants you to come here so you can get loose, amen, so you can get set free and start doing the works that he did. That's the purpose in the Lord Jesus Christ in bringing you all, to he all here tonight is to set us free, to reproduce himself in our lives, not just to give us a little blessing here and there. Praise God. But to do it, we're going to have to put God's word first place. When God said the works that he did shall we do also and greater works than these shall we do because he goes unto the Father, we're going to have to believe it. I don't care if you've been taught it. I don't care if anybody says it. I don't care if it's going to be popular with your friends. You're going to have to make a decision in Romans 3, 4 that says, Let God be true and every man a liar. And until you do that, you won't experience victory. We've got to start putting God's word first place. If you wonder why you aren't seeing these things come to pass, it's because you've not taken God at his word. You've looked at everybody else to interpret God's word for you. And God tonight is wanting us to take him at his word. If his word says I can fly, bless God, I'm going to start running and flapping my wings and flying. If I fall down, I'm going to get up and go again. If God says it, I'm going to do it. And if I fall believing God, well, big deal, amen? Some people are so afraid. What if I go out and try and believe God? I might be a failure. You need to open up your eyes and look, you're a failure already if you aren't believing God. <laughs> you're just comparing yourself in man's system. But if you aren't believing God and if you aren't trying to even go about and do the works of the Lord Jesus, you're a failure already. 
The devil's always telling me, what do you do if you lay your hands on a person and they don't get healed? Well, the way I look at it is, devil, what are you going to do when I lay my hands on a person and they do get healed? Amen? Amen. Praise God. Turn around and put it on the devil. I'm growing. I might make a mistake. I might fall and bust my nose, but I'm going to keep going. Amen? I'm going to grow. What if a little kid had the same attitude most Christians do? And they tried to walk, and the first time they fell over, they said, I'll never do that again. That humiliated me. And if they just sat there, well, it didn't work. Boy, they would never get very far, would they? We'd all be still sucking a bottle tonight. That's the attitude we had. But you see, in Christianity, that is the way we've had. We've seen scriptures like God said, the works that he did shall we do also in greater works. And we see it, and we say, well, I see it. And then you go out and you throw a prayer out and say, oh, Lord, please, if it's your will, heal me or do something. And if it doesn't come to pass within 30 seconds, say, well, I don't know why it works. I know the scripture says that, but I just don't know why it works. Well, if that's all you're going to pursue the thing, it won't work for you. When it says that you have to believe on the Lord Jesus, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also in greater works. That's talking about, when it's talking about believing on him, it's talking about relying upon him, committing your life to him. we got a wrong attitude of what belief is. Lots of people say, well, I believe it's going to rain. They don't anymore believe it's going to rain. They see a cloud and it looks like rain, and they're kind of saying, well, I hope, I think, maybe, if, and yet we use that term, I believe it's going to rain. What do you need? Praise the Lord. But you see, we use terms like that about I believe it's going to rain, or they say, are you going to be at Bible study tonight? Well, I don't know. I believe so. What kind of talk is that? That's not a scriptural kind of belief. God's kind of belief, if you don't have the right elements for it, it'll just make it. God, through faith, created the worlds. And on the first day of creation, he said, let there be light. Bam, and there was light. Then on the fourth day of creation, he created the source of light, the sun. <laughs> you ever thought about that? He didn't even have a source for that light to come from, but God decided he was going to have light before he had a sun, and he said, let it be, and he believed it was so, and it came to pass, when there wasn't even a sun for it to come from. Now, that's the power. That's what scriptural kind of believing is, and that's other kind of believing, like I believe I'll be there tonight. That's not it. We need to renew our mind. When we're going to start believing God, it's not just a trying it. You've got to make a commitment. You're going to believe God. You're going to commit yourself to it, trust upon it, lean upon it. I've prayed for people before, and I prayed for them, don't seem to get healed, and I wonder what the problem is. And then they come to me the next week, and they say, well, I made a deal with God. I was going to get prayer, and if it didn't work, say like I got to pray for them on Sunday, if it didn't work, I already had a doctor appointment made for Monday morning. You know, I was going to try it. We prayed for this one lady and her husband one time that came by and she wanted us to pray for them. It was the time all the flu was going around. So we prayed for her and ordered her with all prayed for her. I believe God ministered to her a few minutes. And then I left. That was on a Friday night. And this other minister that was still there on Sunday, they didn't show up. So he got to asking where they were. They were in the hospital. So he went to see them. And sure enough, they was with the flu. And he got to asking what happened. And they said, well, it just doesn't work. God doesn't heal like what you say. If it would have worked, he says, well, then we would have been healed. If, it, if we were weak in faith, your faith would have overridden us. So Marshall got to ministering to him and telling him, no, that's not right. If somebody messed up, it's, it's us. It's not God. It is God's will to heal. And they started talking anyway, found out that they had already reserved a room in the hospital, and they were on their way to the hospital, and they stopped by his house to get prayer. And they wonder why it didn't work. 
You can't try the things of God. If you try salvation like that, if you came with that attitude and said, Lord, I've heard somebody say that they could be saved, I ask you to save me right now. And then they wonder and they wait until they feel something or until they look saved or until they're changed. A person goes there like that won't get saved. It doesn't work that way. You've got to believe is what the Scripture says. You've got to do more than just the devils and believe with your head and acknowledge that something's true. You've got to believe. The Bible says with your heart man believes unto righteousness. When you believe something from your heart, that means that your actions are going to line up with it because Jesus said that the issues of life proceed out of your heart. Your actions come from your heart. If you say that you believe something, you will act on it. It has to be more than just a mental belief. It has to be something that you're willing to base your life on it. And if that's not the kind of faith and the belief that you're operating in, it won't work. We have operated in a substandard, a human, a physical type of faith, and we wonder why things don't work, and we go to blame God. We release a little squirt over here and wonder why something doesn't work, and go out and start blaming God and say, surely it must not be God's will. What his word says is his will. Don't you be caught in the same position that Thomas and saying, Lord, you don't know what you're talking about. When the word says that I am the Lord thy God that healeth thee, no, you must have missed it. When he says in 3 John, verse 2, that, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. No, that must not be what it means. You know, sometimes God puts these things on you to teach you something. That's a lie. It's contrary to the Scriptures. Amen? That's the truth. He says that it's a part of our redemption. Jesus will no more put sickness on you than he'd put sin on you. Because they're both atoned for. He hates them just the same. In the same way, he's not going to make his brother go commit adultery to teach him something. He's not going to put a sickness on him to teach him something. They're both part of our redemption. God hates them both just the same. But you see, what I'm trying to share through all of this tonight is that the Word gives us certain things. It tells us God's will and God's way for us. That's what it says, but our religion... We've heard people come along so many times and explain the things of God away that you may not recognize it, but in effect we're saying, no, that's a lie, that isn't what the Word means, it's got to mean something else. You've got to have a, a string of degrees behind your name to be able to interpret the Word. If you've got to know the Greek and the Hebrew to be able to interpret the Word, God forbid. I don't know the Greek and Hebrew, and if i got to know it to interpret the Word, well, then God might as well have not have written His Word to me. Amen? I believe that this is the Word of God. It works for me, amen, every time. We need to quit letting people explain the Word of God away, and we need to just start taking it. And if it says right there that, that we can do all things through Christ which strengthens us, why don't you just go to believing and quit explaining away? Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, that if you ask, you shall receive. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. That's one of the simplest scriptures in the Word of God. And yet, if I was to nail y'all down tonight and myself, we've all got hindrances and reservations about it, saying, well, I know it says, ask and you shall receive, but I've asked before and I didn't receive. You know, there's got to be something more to that. No, there's nothing more to it. That's just simple. Ask and you shall receive. That's what it says. The only reason it doesn't work is because we just don't believe it. We've had all of these people come along and say, now, surely it's got to mean something more than that. Right? The reason they say all of that is because they're trying to justify themselves. Because you see, if we can put the blame off on God, that means if I pray for a person and if they fall over dead, I can blame God. Say, well, surely God had a reason for that. I don't have to admit that it was either me or it was that person. Something's wrong with me. I can push it off on God, condemn God, justify myself. That's it. Chicken way out is what I call it. 
Amen. Y'all see what I'm talking about tonight? <laughs> when the Word says something, we're supposed to be a doer of the Word. And tonight, I don't care how religious you consider yourself, I don't care how much of a Christian or how much of a saint or anything else you consider yourself, if you aren't doing the Word of God, if there aren't signs and wonders following our life, we're messed up. We need to get some deliverance. We need to go on with God and get out of the rut that we're in. Because the early New Testament Christians, boy, when they came into a place, Peter and, I mean, John, Paul and Silas walked into a place and they said, Behold, the man that has turned the world upside down or come here also. How many people have said that about y'all lately? That's what it's supposed to be. We're supposed to be like Christ. They, in the fourth chapter of the book of Acts, they went in before the council, before the scribes and the Pharisees, and they began to rebuke them and get with them because they had healed that man at the gate of the temple. Beautiful. And they got on them. And boy, Peter and John just stood up and he said, If we be inquired by how this man's made to walk, be it known unto you that by the name of Jesus Christ, whom ye took, whom you crucified, by ungodly hands, that the same man God has raised up and set him to be a Savior so that through his name all of those might believe had come unto him. Boy, they were bold. And it says that when they perceived that they were ignorant and unlearned men and saw the boldness of Peter and John, they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And seeing the man stand with them, they could say nothing against him. Well, they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. They could tell. They said, oh, no, that man that we crucified, I can see him all over in these people. Praise God. Boy, that's exciting. Satan tried to kill the Lord Jesus, and he did. And he thought that he had him, but he rose the third day. And boy, on the day of Pentecost, here comes 120 Jesuses out of the upper room. Boy, flowing in the same anointing, the same power, and the same Holy Ghost that Jesus had on him. Don't you know the devil was plumb upset over that? <laughs> Boy, 3,000 people got saved. He let down his guard and lost 3,000 of his troops that day. Boy, it was miraculous. It's because those people were Christians. They were called Christians first at Antioch. The reason they were called Christians, it was a derogatory term. They were doing it to make fun of them. Well, those are Christians. They act just like that Christ that they claim to follow. Well, it was derogatory to them, but I mean, to the people saying it, but to those who were being called Christians, it was a glorious term. But how many people today would walk up and say that, boy, you act just like a Jesus Christ that I've read about in the Bible? That's what we're supposed to be as Christians. Amen? Jesus either caused a revival or a riot every place he went. There was no such thing as indifference. And you'll also find the same thing true of every apostle, of every person listed in the Bible, there was no such thing as indifference. People either loved them or rejected them. And when the Word of God goes forth in authority and power, you'll either have people respond to it and get changed, or you'll have people rebel at it because they've got to condemn the source it's coming from or they'll be condemned. So it's a natural reaction to rebel and to condemn it and to start speaking out against the person speaking it or doing something to try and justify themselves because it puts people under conviction. The Word of God doesn't return void. If you sitting there spinning your wheels and living a life, and if it isn't bringing conviction on people, it's because it isn't lived and under the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Amen? I don't know why I'm saying all these things. I didn't mean to get off on this, except that I'm not saying it to scold you or to beat you down. I'm trying to wake us up that there's more. You've got to start wanting something more before you can get it. If you're content and if you're complacent with what we call Christianity today, God forbid, God pity you and God... Have mercy on us if we're content for what it's degenerated unto today. There's a lot more than that available to us, and we've got to get to where we start wanting the truth. 
Christianity. In the book of Jude, it says, earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Do you think that what we see operating in churches today is the faith that operated in the New Testament church? Well, it's not, and we need to get back to it. And if it's going to break ties with your denomination, break them. Amen. If it's going to ruffle somebody's feathers, let them get ruffled. Amen. We're all the time holding back and restraining the Holy Ghost because somebody, they may get offended. What happens if we start speaking the truth? What happens if we start getting bold and speaking things like this? It's liable to offend somebody. Boy, Jesus offended more people than he reached. If you're going to be a Christian, you're going to have to offend, not in yourself. Don't go out and offend people in yourself. But the Word of God will offend. You're going to have to get set for it. In John chapter 7, I was reading this just this last week, it says that there was a division among the people because of Jesus. And then in John chapter 9, they took up stones to stone him because they were offended at his words, is what it says. They were offended. Jesus called, caused division. In Matthew chapter 10, he says, Think not that I'm come to send peace on an earth, but rather a sword and division. For, for henceforth there shall be two against three, a house divided, the father and the mother against the daughters and son, all these kind of things. Jesus said he came to send division. Now that doesn't sound like what's been ministered, does it? There's a, there's a paradox here. And that is that he came to give us peace. Peace on earth. Right here, the scriptures that we started with in John 14. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And he goes on down here to say, Peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Well, how do you reconcile the two? Where's, where's the teachings of love and mercy and peace and long-suffering, all these things go, and the teachings of peace, and I mean of division and people being offended and reviled, all these kind of things? Well, the way you understand it is God gives us peace right here in our heart. Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. There is peace between me and God the Father in my heart. He says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. There is peace on the inside of me. I don't care if everybody hates me. If there's strife and turmoil going around me, I've got peace on my inside. But don't think that that's going to produce peace between you and people out in the world because John 17 says that, that they are not of the world. The world hates them. If the world loves you, it says first, it says if the world hates you, it says know also that it first hated me. You aren't greater than your master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, what are they going to call the servant? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12 says, All those who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. If you aren't suffering any persecution, it's because you aren't living godly. Amen. That's straight, and that's strong, and that's the truth. That's what the Word says. So there's peace in my heart, but between me and the devil, between me and people who do not want the Word of God, there is no basis of peace. What concord hath light with darkness? What fellowship have Christ with Belial? What part hath he that believeth with an unbeliever? If you can get along with the people who are rebelling at the Word of God, and if you can sit in that church and be a, a pillar of the first church that's standing there saying that the baptism of the Holy Ghost is of the devil and fighting against it and rebelling at the Word of God, something's wrong. Just like I heard a story about a little boy one time that got saved, went to a Boy Scout camp, and his mother was real worried. She says, if they find out he's a Christian, what are they going to do? They'll make fun of him and persecute him. So she prayed the whole time he was gone. And when he got back, she says, well, son, how did it go? He said, oh, fine. I just really enjoyed the whole time. It was really a lot of fun. And she says, well, did anybody make fun of you for being a Christian? He says, no. He says, not a one of them found out. 
And that's just exactly the way a lot of so-called Christians are living today. They're, they're doing just fine in their church and everything because, oh, nobody knows I got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I kept it quiet for two and a half years, hiding it, lying to what I was doing, thinking I was being super spiritual. I wasn't going to let anybody know. Y'all ever been to any of these meetings? Sometimes they're full gospel meetings or whatever. When it comes time for a person to get delivered or receive the baptism or get ministered, let's take them in the back room, lest we offend somebody. Oh, Jesus walked into the synagogue with everybody around and he'd just call the old devils right out of them, amen. They'd fall right down in the floor in front of everybody, get to wallering and screaming and hollering and carrying on. If Jesus did it that way, you ain't about to get me to put them in a back room lest it offend somebody. Let's take them in the back room and minister the Holy Ghost to them real quiet so nobody will get offended. God forbid. Man, we're so, we are, we are more conscious of what people think than we are what God thinks. If you're a people pleaser, you can't please God. James, John chapter 5 says that. How can you believe which receive honor one of another and seek not the honor that cometh from God alone? Well, we've got to get to where what God's word says is what I'm going to go by. Don't doubt it. Don't sit there and question it. I don't care if it goes against everything you've been taught. Throw out what you've been taught. It hadn't worked all that good. It's not working all that good in your life or anybody else's. If what the religious system we've been brought up under, if that was the answer, America would have entered into the millennial by now. Boy, we've been flooded with religion. We've got it on our coins and God we trust. And what has it produced? But anyway, what I'm saying is that we need to get back to where what God's Word says is what goes. And it's not going to be popular. I've spent a lot of time on that tonight, but it needs to be said because the so-called charismatic movement has come along and it's told us that, boy, it, it's popular. They, they think they're going to convert the world. Well, if, to do it, you're going to have to break the Word of God. Jesus said there'd be more people entering in at the broad gate than there is at the narrow gate. Amen? Now, you can, you can be religious and get everybody to come to that because it doesn't cost them nothing. But if you start really putting the scripture out and sharing the truth, there will be people that rebel at it. I don't want anybody to rebel at it, but I'm not putting my head in the sand and ignorant of what the Word of God says. People will reject the Word of God. There's more people that rejected the Lord Jesus Christ than accepted Him during His earthly ministry. And who do we think we are to go out and have 100% respond to us if Jesus had more turn against Him than He had turned to Him? We need to change our thinking so that when opposition comes, we don't get to saying, man, this can't be God. I've had people say that, boy, if you minister something to somebody and if they don't respond, if it doesn't work out right, it must not have been God's time. You did something wrong. If God would have ministered, it would have worked. Well, that's not true. Boy, there's bunches of people are going to rebel at the word of God. That's not the standard. You go by what God's Word says. If God tells you to do something, if you've acted on the Word of God, you've done what God said, you've operated in the Holy Ghost, I don't care if everybody in the dog turns against you. Amen? You've got to quit being governed by people and by their opinion, by what a denomination says, by what a group says, by what anybody says other than the Word of God. You see, Thomas, I'm getting back to what we started on here. Thomas, his problem was he did not put the Word of God first place. He put his own reasoning, what he'd been taught all of his life, first place. Now here's Jesus saying that where I'm going you know and the way you know. Now that's what Jesus said. Thomas understood what he said, but he couldn't comprehend it with his mind. That didn't fit along. He couldn't see anything with his physical eyes. He couldn't touch it. And so he turned around and he said, in effect, 
that I do not put your word first what I think counts. I can't see it, taste it, smell it, or feel it, so it isn't true. You missed it. Just exactly what a lot of Christians have done. God has told us that by his stripes we were healed. It's past tense. And then the Christians, see, they come along and say, well, I can't believe I'm healed if I don't feel it. In other words, they're saying, I'm putting my feelings, my sense knowledge, what I can see, taste, hear, smell, and feel, I believe it more than what God's Word says. Are you expecting me to sit here and confess with my mouth that I'm healed when I don't feel healed? Well, sure I am. Amen. That's what God said. That's God's faith. Romans 4, 17. God calls those things which be not as though they were. How did you get saved? With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. With the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. Did you feel everything before you believed you were saved? No, you believed you were saved, then you begin to feel. It may have been that moment, it may have been a month later, but you've got to believe and then you receive. Amen? And it's the same thing with everything else you're going to believe from God. You've got to start putting God's Word first place so that you'll stand up and say, I believe it, I don't care what it looks like, what anybody says, God's Word's true. My feelings are a lie. What I think's a lie, I don't care. I don't care if it looks possible or not. God said it, I'm going to do it. Amen? And I guarantee you that kind of attitude will work. There's testimony about the people in the New Hebrides revival that they were told to go preach in a village. Well, they started across the river, and the river was swollen. You all probably read that. And they couldn't get across. They asked the natives around there for a way to get across. They said, there's no way to get across that river this time of the year. So they thought about it a while. They prayed. God had told them to go across that river to a certain village, so they didn't care how it worked. They just started walking. Got in and sucked up to their ankles and never did sink anymore. Just walked right across that, that swollen river. And the natives saw them do it, and they tried to do it, and like to drown to death. Somebody said, well, that just doesn't make sense. Said, You're right. The things of God don't make sense. God made foolish the wisdom of this world. And if you're going to put man's wisdom in what you've been taught and the facts and the things that you've been considering is true all of your life, if you're going to put them above the Word of God, you'll never operate in God's faith. If you're going to operate in sense knowledge, you can't operate in the spiritual realm because it's greater than our five senses. Praise God. That's true. You've got to get liberated from it. You don't have to be bound for what you can understand. We've been taught that what you can touch is true. We've been taught, you know, that I won't believe it until I see it. We've been taught to be skeptical, but you've got to have to change that around. You're going to have to renew your mind and break down your old thinking or you won't be able to operate in God's faith. We're just flat too civilized and too well taught to believe God what it amounts to. And unless you're willing to become a fool in the eyes of God and do things that are foolish in the eyes of other people, in the eyes of yourself, you can't operate in God's faith. It was foolish for Jesus to spit and touch the tongue of a man, but he got healed, amen? What if I was to spit and touch your tongue tonight and pray for you? People would go out of here, that's foolish. I don't believe you have to do that to serve God. How foolish, how ignorant. But I guarantee you, Jesus did it, the perfect, sinless Son of God. You see, we're too sophisticated nowadays to receive what God's doing. Big problem. Too well educated. Man, who's going to spit on the dirt and make mud out of it and put it on somebody's eyes? All that just isn't kosher. We don't do things that way. That's the way Jesus did it. You're going to have to be foolish to obey the voice of the Lord. You're going to have to put the spiritual realm above the physical realm. And if you aren't willing to do that, you're just flat going to miss out. Amen. Praise God. We need to be willing to be an outcast. Well, anyway, old Thomas, see, he didn't do that. And so he told the Lord that the Lord was wrong. I'm right. You had not been around as long as I have. And so the Lord said, Thomas, he said, uh, I am the way, 
I am the truth and I am the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Well, Thomas knew Jesus, but the problem was he just didn't recognize that Jesus was his answer. You see, he did know the answer. He just didn't have it all put together yet. He did have his answer. It's the same thing with us. We may ask a prayer. It may not look like it worked, but God answered. If you ask, you receive. God did answer. If you would get to operating spiritually, you could see his answer. Just like over in 2 Kings chapter 6, there's an instance where Elijah, Elisha, and his servant were surrounded by all of the armies of the king of Syria, thousands and thousands of people surrounding the city of Dothan. Elisha's servant woke up early in the morning and he went out and saw all of these armies and he came running back into Elisha and he said, Alas, my master, how shall we do? Or what shall we do? Elisha went out and he said, Fear not, they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And then he prayed and he said, Lord, I pray that you'd open up the young man's eyes. All of a sudden his eyes were opened and instead of seeing the armies this time, he saw the chariots of fire of God round about on the mountain. Praise God. Amen. And so Elisha went out and raised his hands. Most people were blinded, told them to take each other by the hand and just took them single file right to the king of Israel. Let them all captive. Amen. Nothing to it. Nothing to get upset with. You got 10,000 people surrounding you. Big deal. Psalm 91. Thousands shall fall at that side, 10,000 at that right hand, but the place will not come nigh thee. So that means 11,000 people up till at least 11,000 people coming against you. You ain't got a thing to worry about, amen? Now see, that's if you're looking at things spiritually. That servant looked at it carnally, but Elijah looked at it spiritually. They were both in the same situation, but the difference was Elisha saw the spiritual power. I don't care what your situation looks like tonight. God has provided you with your answer. You can do all things through Christ which strengthens you. And if you'll begin to operate spiritually and say, I believe it, I don't understand it, but God said I can do all things through Christ. Bless God, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be above only and not beneath. I'm going to be the head and not the tail. I can't see it, taste it, smell it, or feel it. I don't understand it, but God said it. And bless God, there ain't enough devils in hell to keep me from acting on what God told me. You get that attitude, God will get his answer across. Amen. But if you sit down and get to saying, oh, look how, boy, this is impossible. The doctors have said it's incurable. There's no way out of this. If you think on that realm and if you put that realm, if that's what you meditate on, if you put more trust and faith in what the doctor and the lawyer and the president says than what you believe the Word of God says, you had it. You ain't got a chance. You might as well throw in the towel because it just won't work that way. Amen? Thomas had his answer. He just didn't know that was his answer. He was thinking carnally. So Jesus goes on and says, If you had known me, you should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye have known him and have seen him. Well, this time Philip says, Lord, show us the Father and it will suffice us. In other words, no, you missed it again. That's not right. I hadn't seen the Father. You show him to me and that will satisfy me. And you see, he missed it again because Jesus goes on to say, Philip, have I been so long time with you and yet thou hast not known me? He that has seen me hath seen the Father. How sayest thou then, show us the Father in the Pentecost? You see, he had seen the Father, but he didn't realize that Jesus was the Father. He had his answer. He didn't realize that he had his answer. Now I want to apply all that to us. We're all the time praying, Oh, Lord, just give me your power. Lord, just give me an anointing. Lord, just reveal yourself to me. Lots of times I've seen people come into a meeting and they want to see a vision. They want to see something and they want the minister to do it for them. They don't want to believe anything on their own. They want me to come in there and digest their food for them and give it to them. But Jesus was the Word of God. In John chapter 1, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. 
Jesus was the Word of God. And Jesus was God. If you'd seen Jesus, you'd seen God. But you see, Jesus wasn't in the form that they wanted him. They wanted a God that had light radiating from him, that had angels, you know, flying around about him, a halo around about his head. That's what they were looking for. He wasn't in their religious form what they wanted. And because of it, they missed God. They didn't even recognize that Jesus was God. They were sitting there saying, Lord, show us the Father, and they didn't recognize they was looking straight at him. Today we're doing the same thing. Jesus is the Word. The Word is Jesus. We're all the time saying, Oh, Lord, just speak to me. Lord, tell me what you want me to do. And the whole time, here's our Bible laying over here. And we're wanting something extra. The Lord spoke to us in a booming voice right here. Lord, what do you want me to do? Well, just open up your Bible and stick your finger on any scripture, amen, and go do it, and you're hearing the voice of God. But you see, we don't take this for being what it is. I guarantee you God speaks to me through his word. If I need direction, if God tells me what to do, I've learned that his word is my answer to it. I used to sit back and, like say, for instance, holding a Bible study like this. I would have fasted and prayed for four or five months and bawled and fought and pled with the Lord until I got a vision or a revelation or a word. Oh, God, are we supposed to do it? I know that if it's done in the flesh without you, it's no avail. And that's my attitude I would have approached the thing with. But you can ask Billy Bob how I responded to it this time. He, he said, would you come over and hold a Bible study? And I said, sure, let's start today, amen. And I was ready. I didn't even ask, go ask the Lord about it. How very unreligious. That doesn't sound good, does it? But did you know what? I found out that the Lord gave a command to go into all the world and preach the gospel, and that's the booming voice of God. And unless God hit me with a booming voice and says, no, not this time, there's something wrong for some special reason, I'm never out of the will of God to do what his word says. Amen? And we flat miss the direction and the leadership of God because we're so ignorant of the word of God, and we aren't taking this for being the voice of God like we should. Lots of people are always wanting to be led by dreams and visions and revelations. Praise God for them. I have dreams and visions, and I've seen those things, but I've never yet put one of them above the Word of God. If it'll point something in the Word of God out to me, I'll operate in it. But a vision or a dream does not supersede the Word of God at all. And if you're wanting to be led by visions and dreams, you're wanting to be led by the wrong thing, because the Word of God is our sure, more, more sure word of prophecy. Let's look at this scripture in 2 Peter chapter 1. Second Peter chapter 1. Peter is trying to verify that the gospel he's preaching isn't a gospel that he got from man. He says it is ordered by God. In verse 16, We have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. In other words, he's referring back to the transfiguration where they saw Jesus transfigured before him. His garments became white, and they heard the audible, booming voice of God out of heaven. And this voice, which came from heaven, we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. The more sure word of prophecy that he's talking about, he goes on to say, is the Scripture. In other words, he says that even a more sure word than the audible 
voice of God that came out of heaven is the written, inspired word of God. It's more, it's more sure. It's a more powerful word. God can't speak to you any greater than right here. You know, when I minister prophecy and things, lots of times I'll get a person and I minister nothing but Scripture to them. That's what the Lord lays on my heart. And I'll just quote Scripture to them. Like, for instance, I told people, the Lord tells you tonight, Billy Bob, just ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find, knock, and it shall be opened unto you. And boy, I've seen people just get all fanatical, you know, and go wild. Praise God! The Lord said, whatever I ask, I'm going to receive. And they start saying, I believe it. Boy, I ask, I believe that I've got my answer. And they get all excited and fired up. Well, why couldn't they believe that? It's been in Matthew 7, 7 for thousands of years, amen? They read it a hundred times. Why couldn't they take it just as much as if somebody was to speak it through a prophecy? It's because we don't put the importance on the Word of God as strong as we should. The Word of God says He gave us power over all sickness, over all disease, over all the power of the enemy. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 10. Lots of other places, amen. James 4, 7, many, many more. He said that. Why don't we believe it? Why don't we go out and say, I believe I got it. I believe, bless God, I can lay my hands on the sick and they shall recover because that's what the Word of God says. Why don't we believe it and go do it? Because we don't put the importance on the Word of God. If we had the Lord appear to us in a dream or a vision and hit you over the head with it, then maybe I believe it. Well, that kind of person, you're going to miss out. Unless you start putting the importance on God's Word so that when you read it and God says it, that's good enough. God spoke it to me. Man, if I open up my Word right here, amen, it says, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? I say, yes, amen, I believe it. I don't care if I die, I'm going to live. I believe it. I'm going to be able to raise the dead because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Not going to be, but is. And we've seen people raised from the dead. We've seen God perform miracles, amen, because we believe it. I can never say that the Lord has ever appeared to me in a vision. He's given me a vision, and I've seen things I'm supposed to do, but I've never seen the Lord. He's never talked to me. He's never told me anything. And I used to think that I was second-rate Christian because of it. And then I got to seeing in John chapter 20 where Jesus told Thomas, he said, you have seen, and therefore you believe. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. And when I saw that scripture, I said, Lord, stop my prayers. I don't want, I don't want any special endowment. I don't want any special visions because he said there's a greater blessing on the person that has not seen and yet believed. That you are operating in a stronger anointing and power of God if you'll just take God's word and believe it. To verify that, Matthew chapter 8, a man came to Jesus, the centurion, and he said, Lord, my servant lies at home sick. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. And he said, Lord, don't worry. He said, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. Just speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I'm a man under authority, having servants under me. And I say unto this man, Go, and he goeth. And to another, Come, and he cometh. And to another, Do this, and he doeth it. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said, I have not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. Jesus marveled at a mere physical man's faith. What made that faith so great over everybody else? It's because that man put the importance on God's Word. He didn't have to have the physical presence of the Lord Jesus. He didn't have to have his hand touch him. He didn't have to have a point of contact. He didn't have to take anything but the Word of God. If you will speak the Word only, my servant shall be healed. And Jesus marveled at that kind of faith. Marveled at it. That is the greatest, highest form of faith that there ever is. 
and we have simply let Satan sell us down the river. We have not put that importance on the word. Everybody comes along and says, oh, it's mistranslated. This is wrong. That's wrong. We've got to where we don't believe any of it. Bless God, you're going to have to get back to where you believe it's the infallible word of God, every last jot and tittle. And if it says that you can heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead in Matthew 10, 10, you're going to go out and heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, and raise the dead. And if your denomination doesn't like it, if somebody else doesn't like it, let them dislike it. Amen. If you will put that kind of importance on God's word, God's word will work. Matthew chapter, Mark chapter 16 says, These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils, speak with new tongues, take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So after the Lord had spoken this, he was received up into heaven and was taken away from their sight or something like that. And then it says, And the Lord and the disciples went everywhere, preaching the gospel, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs and wonders following. God's going to confirm his word. We're wanting to see signs and wonders and say, Lord, show us signs and wonders. Oh, God, I want a miracle. Oh, Lord, if you just answer this prayer. God's going to move in miracles as his word goes forth. What you need to do, first of all, is take the word of God and go to speaking it out of your mouth and live in it and act in it. And if you will act the word of God, the power of God's got to be released. Well, we missed it, see, for so long. I used to beg, oh, God, anoint me when I speak. I want to be anointed. And I used to ball and fall and go home, and I was every time a flop. It never did work. I never was able to share the word. It was always bad. And finally, the Lord showed me in 1 John 2, 27, the anointing which you have, past tense, received of him, abides within you, and you need not that any man teach you, but as that same anointing teaches you all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as he has taught you, he shall abide in. And I got to sin, and I already was anointed. He was already here. What was I doing? Asking for something I already had. All I had to do was start believing it. Then I got to sin that his word was anointed. Amen. That he had anointed his word. In Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 14, that because you speak my word, I will make your, my word in your mouth fire, and the people would, and it shall devour them. God's word's powerful. Then I saw the scriptures we just quoted from Mark chapter 16, that he confirms his word with signs and wonders following. And I finally learned that, bless God, I don't have to ball and fall for nothing. All I've got to be able to do is put out God's Word, and God's Word will divide. God's Word will give life or it will produce death. And those that receive it, it will produce life. And those that reject it, it will produce death within them. It will seal their doom. And I got to find out that, boy, God's Word is anointed. And I just started speaking His Word, and we started seeing miracles. We started seeing people respond. Life change. Amen. And I found out that the whole time right here was my answer. I was begging and pleading, oh, God, do something. And he says, look, he says, I've done it. Open it up, read it, put it on the inside of you, meditate in it day and night. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8 says, meditate in this, this book of the law shall not depart out of your sight, for you shall meditate in it day and night, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Amen? That's the key to it. If you want God, well, let's get in his word and go to believe in it. Quit rationalizing the thing away. Go to believe in it and get in it. And if you run into a hard chapter, go on, amen. Get into something you can to get into. But start. Start doing the word of God. And don't be a hearer of the word. Only be a doer of the word. Do it. If it says in there that we can heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, go lay your hands on somebody and do it. 
You say, but oh, I've got to see it first. Well, you're operating carnally, see? You've got to get out of that. You've got to be able to believe first and do it, and then the signs and wonders will follow you. We're praying, Lord, I want to see these signs and wonders come. Well, it says that they follow us. You don't follow signs and wonders. God doesn't go out and, and screw all the signs and wonders in front of you, and then you jump in behind them and say, see, I prayed for those. That's how it came. No, you go out. You lay your hand on somebody, and then God comes and confirms it. Believe God, and I don't care what it costs you. You've got to be willing to do it. 
And if you aren't willing, I'm not saying this to hurt you. I'm saying it for your own profit so that you can know why things are falling apart. It won't work. God's word has to be put first place. I don't care if it crosses in-laws or outlaws or anybody else. Amen. God's word has to dominate. And I personally, Satan tempts me many, many times. Boy, in Bible study situations like this, I can see people sitting there hating every word I say. I'm not stupid. The Holy Ghost isn't ignorant. Amen? Sometimes people think the Holy Ghost is plumb stupid. Well, he's not. I can tell people reject and hate and don't receive and things like that. And I, Satan tempts me and says, boy, you'll never get to come back. And I just decided, well, big deal. If they aren't going to receive Jesus, why would I want to come back anyway? If they don't love Jesus, why do I want them to love me? I'll just go on. If they won't accept him, I'll just stick with Jesus. When we went to Pritchett over here and held a meeting, I went in, and the very first night, I lambasted everything I could think of, which is exactly the opposite of the way you're supposed to do things. But I looked at it, that there's no sense trying to sneak up on them. I might as well throw everything out on them all at one time and if they don't like it now they aren't going to like it four or five months in advance we might as well get it over with and if they don't want it let this be the last night and boy it caused no small stir but by the end of the week people had begun to receive and I didn't have any intention of coming over there and God brought us anyway it was just really miraculous most people had a hunger for the word and it worked hallelujah God's word is working I can't heal a man I can't change anybody, but God's Word can. And if I'll be bold to speak it, God's Word will work for me exactly the way it did for Jesus. If I compromise it and give in and bite my lip and don't speak the truth lest somebody be offended, I keep the Word of God from working. I water it down. But if you'd be strong with it and put it in your heart and live it, God's Word will work for you every time. We hope that your heart has been quickened by hearing the Word of God through this message. Remember, Andrew Womack Ministries operates a helpline that you can call for prayer and information at 719-635-1111. We have a ministry website at www.awmi.net, and you can write the ministry at P.O. Box 3333, Colorado Springs, 80934. Until next time, we pray that you will reach out by faith and receive everything that is yours through God's grace.